is well-known knowledge probably to all of you, but I hope it will be a blessing. The Word of God has always got something good to say, and some of the thoughts uh, are, are thoughts that I've previously used in a message. <clears throat> I'd like us to open our Bibles to Psalm 127. Say amen. Amen. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. I'll just interrupt the reading there for a minute. This psalm is a song of degrees for Solomon, and my Bible heads this psalm, Children are God's heritage. The depths of this psalm goes beyond the building of a house. But let's continue to read to the end. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As, as arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed but they speak with the enemies in the gates. It's very obvious from this reading that uh, God considers children to be very important in the family and very important in uh, posterity. Amen. The children are going to grow up and they're going to be the future generation and the next generation and their children after them. It's a very important uh, aspect of having children in our lives and not only that, but teaching them the right way. God has a very special a place for children. And in this psalm, there's great spiritual wisdom as well. Solomon was given exceptional wisdom by God. But even so, I'm not sure whether Solomon wrote this psalm, but certainly Solomon knew all about building, which seems to be a parallel to this psalm. Solomon built the first temple using permanent building materials, and he would therefore know all the aspects, ups and downs, difficulties, hardships, and the great fulfillment in completing a building project. This psalm tells us that in order to build, whether it be physical or spiritual, it is essential to have God's blessings and his direction in the building of the lives of the family that will occupy the house. Judging by the whole scripture, God is needed in all areas of life. <clears throat> Unfortunately, Solomon did not end up the way he started out. God blessed him with wisdom to the point that he was the wisest man who ever lived. God blessed him with great wealth and power, which was known to all who lived in Israel and to most of those who lived beyond its borders. Solomon was a prolific writer, composing very many songs and proverbs. In spite of all this, Solomon's life, as I said before, ended in disaster. His many foreign wives succeeded in turning his heart from the Lord, which cost his kingdom. Somewhere in his life's journey, he lost the way, spiritually and naturally, and he stopped depending on God. It just, it's easy enough to stop depending upon God because of the influences in this world. His, Solomon's life in that respect is a, is a message to us as well. 
because we live in the same world that Solomon lived in. There's wealth and there's all sorts of things that can tempt us and draw us away from the Lord. I'm so happy when I come to the house of the Lord. I'm so happy to see everybody when we come into the house of the Lord. To me, it's a huge blessing when I see the faces of everybody coming to the house of the Lord because we're going to get strength when we come to the house of the Lord. We're going to get ministered unto when we come to the house of the Lord. We're going to be changed when we come to the house of the Lord. We have opportunities to reach out to God in the house of the Lord. And it's, it's wonderful when we are together because there's a great atmosphere of worship. There's a great atmosphere of love. There's a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And if you're struggling to pray at home, it's easier to pray in church because everybody else is doing likewise. It's a great and wonderful blessing. And we don't want to walk away from God, as, as the message said this morning. Amen. We don't want to walk away from God. We want to stay as close as we can possibly get to Him. And not look at the things of the world and not look at our problems and not look at our difficulties, but look at God. Amen. Look towards God. He has an answer, and He is the answer. And you know what? If your problems don't go away, you can still be saved. Jesus is not going to go away. He's always going to be there. Amen. So if our problems are not saved, if our sicknesses are not healed, we can still be, uh, sorry, if our problems are not solved and our sicknesses are not healed, we can still get to heaven. We can still be saved. We can still live for God. We're not cut out from living for God because we have a few problems and difficulties. Amen. Let us keep our eyes upon the Lord. Amen. In our own personal lives, we might sometimes have thoughts to the effect that if only God would give me talent, if only I had a lot more money. If only I had fame and was recognized by others. Then I could live for God. Then I could do great things for God. I would be all right, amen. But Solomon had all of these attributes, but they never did him any good. And in the, e in the end, wherever we are and whoever we are, God has an individual journey for us through life. God knows the pace of our own personal journey, and he provides for us what we need, need so that we may come to that expected end. But day by day, we need to go to the rock that is higher than I, to let God hear your cry and attend unto your prayer. That's Psalm 61, an extract from Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Day by day, we need to go to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. Amen. And that is going to help us to keep focused. And that is going to help us to keep our eyes on the Lord. Psalm 127 goes on to speak about children and their importance in the family. And we recognize that all children need God to build their lives. Parents that pray for their children, and we have evidence of that in this church. Parents that pray for their children are asking God to undertake in their needs, giving God freedom to work in their lives. That gives, this gives children a strong foundation to build their lives upon. It gives them an awareness of God, a realization that God is dependable, and in turn, they may depend upon Him. So although a child is already built physically at birth, a spiritual work needs to take place, and God will build that house, that spiritual house. Amen. Except the Lord build the house. But in the Word of God... <coughs> Incredible and exciting and revealing writings are those of shadows and types and their fulfillment and prophecy and its fulfillment. And I'm going to speak about the tabernacle. There are many, many shadows and types of Jesus 
in the tabernacle in the wilderness. The pattern, the measurements, the materials, and the building, and all the instructions were given to Moses by God. Sorry, all the building instructions. The overall purpose and function of the tabernacle in the wilderness was the dwelling place of God in the midst of his people. Exodus 25 and 8 says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. It was also the central point of worship by the children of Israel. The tabernacle was not a fixed structure, but portable. The presence of God was constantly in the midst of the children of Israel by a pillar of cloud by day to lead them the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire uh, did not depart from the children of Israel as long as they journeyed in the wilderness. It is awesome and wonderful to realize that in bleak, harsh, dry, desolate, and very inclement weather conditions of the wilderness, God was present in their midst and leading the way that they should go. That's a parallel to our own lives as well. We can have harsh times, but God is still present with us. It says here, I say here that it says, this speaks of a relationship we should all develop, a relationship with God. There is no wonder, oh sorry, let me just get myself together. I'll read that again. This speaks of relationship, and we should all develop a relationship with God. There is no need to wonder if God is within hearing range. There is no need to wonder if he knows what your needs are. There is no need to wonder if he's going to hear from you. There's no, need, there's no need for you to wonder if he knows who you are. God is always calling us into a relationship with him. And that relation can become very, very close indeed. Except for the priests and the high priests who were called to minister, the children of Israel were not permitted to enter in the structure of the tabernacle. And only the high priest was permitted to enter into the holiest of holies once a year on the Day of Atonement to bring the sacrifice before the Lord for the children of Israel. It would be very hard for us not to be able to personally enter into the presence of the Lord and have that presence, precious access to God. But we need not worry about that. Jesus has taken care of all that for us. He became our high priest. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without faith. Uh, sorry, without sin. The roof of the tabernacle consisted of four coverings, and going from the inside out, the first was linen, then goat's hair, then ram skin dyed red, and the top was badger skin. Only the badger skin was seen from the outside, which was dull and unattractive. The outside was very plain, but inside the ceiling, the veil and the furniture were absolutely beautiful. The white linen cover was beautifully embroidered in deep colors of blue, purple, and scarlet. All of these colors represent Jesus. White is his purity and holiness. Blue is a reminder of God's commandments. Purple symbolizes kingship and authority, and scarlet represents the blood sacrifice of Jesus. When we find Jesus and begin a relationship with him, 
we discover he's more wonderful than we could have ever imagined. The closer we get to him, the more wonderful he becomes to us. We find ourselves in awe of his holiness and purity, his fulfillment of the law, his kingship, and his shed blood of sacrifice for our sins. We have our own personal holiest of holies with God. Some history of the tabernacle is that after the conquest of Canaan and the division of the land among the 12 tribes, the tabernacle was moved to Shiloh, a neutral territory which avoided disputes among the tribes as to whose right it was to have the tabernacle, and also the land was found to be suitable for the holiness of the tabernacle. The tabernacle remained in Shiloh about 350 years during the period of Judges. The subsequent history of the tabernacle structure um, is separated from the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was captured by the Philistines, and King Saul moved the tabernacle to Nob near his home in Ge- town in Gibeah. This is the place where David came when he was hungry and asked the priest Ahimelech for bread, and the priest gave him showbread from the tabernacle. There was a massacre in Nob, and um, a massacre of the priests in Nob, and the tabernacle was moved to Gibeon. Meanwhile, the Philistines who had captured the Ark of the Covenant suffered many plagues during the time that it was in their possession. And they returned it to the nation of Israel. It was kept in kirjath Jiriam in Abinadab's house until David became king and returned it with much joy, dancing and uninhibited worship to Jerusalem. David prepared a place for the ark and he pitched a tent to cover the ark. And there was worship in Jerusalem. At this time, David notices that he is living in a house of cedar and the ark of God was under a tent. And this gives him a strong desire to build a temple that would replace the tabernacle of God, which would house the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory of God would come down on the Day of Atonement. As we know, God did not allow David to build the temple, and it was built by Solomon, his son. In brief, the first temple built with building materials was known as Solomon's Temple. It was built exactly to the pattern of the tabernacle in the wilderness. The building and all the furnishings were absolutely magnificent. There was no expense spared. All the wood, precious metals, curtains, walls, and furniture were to express and reflect the glory and magnificence of God. Solomon was the man for the job. God called him to build that temple. And the scripture says, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought all the things that David his father had dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled all the elders of Israel, the heads of all the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel to witness the Ark of the Covenant to be carried by the priest from where David had kept it to that place in the temple. The priests brought the Ark into the temple, placed it in its correct position, They withdrew the staves from the holders, and when they came out, the cloud of the Lord filled the house. Sorry, the cloud of glory filled the house. In great, uh, uh, greatly filled the house. Sorry.
Hallelujah. The Shekinah glory was so great that came down as they placed the, the Ark of the Covenant in the temple that the, the, the ministers couldn't minister. Amen. The priests could not minister because the Shekinah glory was so great. The presence of the Lord was so great. I think we had a mighty presence of the Lord in this place this morning, amen, that we could relate to that, uh, that time when the, the Shekinah glory comes down and fills the whole place where they were. We can relate to that in what we've experienced this morning and many other times in the house of God, the presence and the glory of God in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. The same presence of the Lord in the wilderness on the Day of Atonement each year and the same presence of the Lord with the nation of Israel in their wilderness journey was in the holiest of holies in the temple that Solomon built. In our journey with the Lord, there are times that it may seem as though we are in a wilderness and a dry and parched place. But God is still with us and will bring us through such hard times. We never grow if we are constantly pampered and live upon the mountaintop. In those places, there's no dependency on God. But in the dry places, we do and must depend on God. Solomon, after this, prayed a wonderful prayer of dedication for the temple. Unfortunately, Solomon did not end up the way he started. He started as a great king, but he didn't end up that way. All these structures and buildings must have a plan. God gave the plan in the first place for the tabernacle with all the specific measurements and materials to be used and provided the skills among the people to carry out the detailed work and buildings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul warns us against immorality so that we do not abuse the use of our bodies to sin. And he states that our bodies are members of Christ. And in verse 19, verses 19 and 20 it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whatever the Apostle Paul says, I believe. And if he says our bodies are temples for the Holy Ghost, I believe it. I'm not sure that I understand it. I'm not sure that I understand it, but I believe it. Amen. God has a specific plan for you. For me and all of mankind, we were chosen by God in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The plan of God I make reference to is in John 1 verses 1 and 2 and 14. So if we could read that together, John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 and verse 14. Remember, this is before or from the foundation of this world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. And going down to verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The plan of God from the beginning was to manifest himself in flesh and dwell among us. From whom we receive salvation. The plan of God from the beginning was that we be made temples for the Holy Ghost 
and be filled with the Holy Ghost. What is it, the Holy Ghost, to be filled with the Holy Ghost? That means the Spirit of God is dwelling within us. These mortal temples, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And in actual fact, we can underline that word holy. It's hard to imagine yourself as having anything holy, well, myself, sorry, of having anything holy about me. Amen. I know that um, I, my, my flesh is corrupt, and I know that it's carnal, and I know it's difficult at times for me to submit to these things. Amen. But the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. Amen. Going back to the history of the temple built by Solomon, it was destroyed by the Babylonians who took the children of Israel captive. This temple, after 70 years and under the leadership of Zerubbabel, was restored. Later on, it was desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes. Some time after that, it was renovated by King Herod, and it took 46 years to build it up. This is the same temple Jesus entered as a youth and confounded the religious leaders with his knowledge and wisdom. As an adult, he drove out those who were selling animals for sacrifice and turned over the tables of the money changers, spilling their money to the floor. The Jews challenged the actions of Jesus, asking him to give them a sign that he had authority to back up his actions. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. After Jesus was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered what he had said. Jesus at that time was speaking of his body, the temple. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Take his, you can take his natural life. You can pull down the temple building. You can do everything you like to destroy him. But the eternal spirit of God will not and cannot be distinguished or extinguished. The Spirit of God will go on and on and on for eternity. And the Spirit of God will empower us to go into eternity with God, provided we are obedient to the Word of God. Amen. We must be obedient. We can't just say that we have. We can't just say that the Holy Spirit is there out for us. We can't just say that I believed in God and I got the Holy Spirit. We can't just say that His grace saves me. We can't just say those things. We need to have an obedience to the Word of God. Amen. We need to be sub- submissive. Amen. And I pray daily for God to help me to be submissive. Amen. Because my flesh doesn't want to be submissive. But I know that I have to be submissive. And I desire to be permissive, submitted to the Almighty God. Amen. And His power is going to take us through to eternity. The Holy Spirit dwelling with the, in unholy bodies will take us through to eternity in obedience to the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. At the death of Jesus, the veil which separated the holy place from the holy of holies was rent from the top to the bottom, which is a shadow and type of the body of Jesus, which, as I said before, has given us access to God. Prophecy fulfillment of Joel 2 and 28 is that of Acts 1 and 8 and Acts 2 and 4. I know that we are in the last days because the prophecy said in those last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So from that scripture alone, I know that we're in the last days because God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. We do, where do we receive the Holy Ghost as God pours it out? We receive it within our bodies 
being temples for the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was the true and only foundation of the spiritual temple. But he did not fit the designs and purposes of the builders in Jerusalem who found him totally unsuitable for any use at all in the building that they had in mind. And so they rejected him. Really, this should have been expected because their concept of a temple for God was precisely like that of the idol temples which filled the world at that period of time. And Jesus was the stone that they rejected. In the writings of Apostle Peter, and just remember that um, Peter's writing this scripture, and uh, he, had, he was with Jesus, and he, Jesus asked him, do you know who I am? Amen. And Peter said, you are God, you are the Messiah. Amen. And Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. That's not upon the rock of Peter, as some people, that Peter is the rock. That's not that at all. It's the, it's the word, the knowledge, and the understanding who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, and he's actually God manifest in the flesh. And Peter recognized that. And he's written, Peter's written this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The meaning of the word house in 1 Peter 2 and 5 could mean something a bit more different from the common definition. Most commonly we think of a building as a house that people live in. But here it can be, the house can be easily mean a dynasty or the house of David, or such like that. A spiritual house, building a spiritual house. It helps us to consider God is building us up into a dynasty, a spiritual house, a spiritual family, one that we know will last forever. To him we are precious, and we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to him. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the, the chief cornerstone. As lively stones, meaning stones that are living, we are built upon Jesus, the cornerstone, and the truth of who he is. The Messiah came to redeem all mankind unto God, and this is the foundation of the spiritual building. This cornerstone will never decay. It will never waste away. It will never lose its value. It's permanent. Amen. And we, as these lively stones, are placed side by side in God's spiritual house. We will be put placed together in the spiritual house of God, besides each other, rubbing up against each other, near each other, amen. We are different sizes, we are different shapes, we are different heights, we are different widths, amen. But we will be placed together, amen, and it's going to take some work on our behalf, amen, to get to settle down in the house of God. 
And there's going to be some changing of the ways of our lives. There's going to be some changing in the formation of those stones, so to speak, that we can live harmoniously together, that we can love one another as God has commanded us. God has placed us in his house that we will be that spiritual house for him. And when we are, when we are living to, when we are working together and showing forth the praises of God, souls outside are drawn to the truth and the word of God. Amen. We need to show that love of God. We need to show that the love is not just for one person, but among all of us, amen, and that we can be harmonious in the house of the God. What a house of God. What a great and wonderful blessing that is for us, that we can have the blessed Holy Spirit. We can have Christ working within us, amen, and we need to daily go to the rock that is higher than I. We need to continuously and daily go. And if you went today to the rock that is higher than I, it doesn't exclude you from going there tomorrow. It doesn't exclude me from going there tomorrow. Amen. Tomorrow I need to go to the rock that is higher than I. And on Tuesday I need to go to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. And I'm going to be formed and I'm going to be shaped to get along with my brothers and my sisters in the house of the Lord and made how God wants me to be, to show forth his praises. In closing, I read Romans chapter 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. I know we've prayed and we've come to the altar this morning, but could we end off with that song again, Sister Nairi? Um, Trust in the Lord at all times. Even still, if you want to come to the altar and pray again, you're very, very welcome, amen. The altars are open. We can pray for each other, and we can just worship the Lord if that's our desire this morning. Amen.